squeeze it there. Broadhurst down, Bound still pumping punches into it. That's will be a miracle! Oh, it is a miracle! Play continues. They could sidestep on a trip and he went this line. Good one. A smack that bottom. 40-20. It's a 40-20, it's there. Hits the crossbar. You won't see anything like that again this year, and maybe never. Digging up dead football, it's the Rugby League Cemetery. It does not get any better than that. Yes, this is the Rugby League Cemetery, and it is a very special cemetery episode today. We are not covering a player. We are not covering a match from history. We are treating... Uh, we're, we're covering someone who is, if anything, an even more beloved rugby league phenomenon, but also a much more mysterious one. And today we intend to bring you uh, the first ever comprehensive study and comprehensive history of this phenomenon in rugby league. Gazzy, what are we talking about today? Thank you very much, Justin Morgan. We are here today to cover the Phantom Siren, the number one, I would say, fan in rugby league history. Now, you mm-hmm. know, there'll be people out there that want to talk Laurie Nichols and stuff like that. But I ask you, did, could Laurie Nichols ever perfectly imitate the siren for half and full time? And the answer is absolutely fuck no. And that is something that can be done by the Phantom Siren and not yeah. by any other fan as I'm aware of in history. The most beloved fan in the history of the game. Uh, he transcends clubs. He transcends the competition itself. And if there was a, a fa- like if there was a fans immortal, mm-hmm. like uh, like you know immortals for the fans, he'd be on one of the port bottles. I'd like to think. <laughs> Absolutely right. Can you just? Just for, and I, I would find it hard to believe that anyone would have got as far as listening to this podcast without knowing about the Phantom Siren and his place in rugby league lore. But can you just give us a brief outline of what of, of who we're dealing with here and what what phenomenon we're talking about? Yeah, look, I absolutely can. So uh, we've had our fun. On a serious note, uh, the, the Phantom Siren is essentially performs Phantom Sirens. So mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. half and full time in rugby league games, he, with his mouth, is able to do an, a wonderful replica or imitation of the actual halftime siren for half and full time. So over time, what, how, what this has developed into is that he's gone to games, um, you know, predominantly to my memory at Cogra, though I, I understand you may, you may talk to me about uh, the, the history later on. Um, mm. And, and before halftime or full time is due to be blown, has imitated the siren and basically, uh, I suppose, to use the 90s Ashton Kutcher language, punking the referee <laughs> and, yes. and the players into thinking that the half has ended when it hasn't. Um, <laughs> to great bedlam. And, oh, yeah. and gener- generally, gen- you know, in his defence, he. <laughs> He has tended, in my memory, to do it only when it's suit, either suited the Dragons or the game wasn't close. Mm. <laughs> so, um, but I, I may be proven wrong on that. But it, it is there is, to me, nothing funnier. And the only thing perhaps as funny as that is that only last week I said to you, I think we should do the Phantom Siren. And out of the absolute blue, mm-hmm. I, pro- I promise our listeners that was before last weekend. And I haven't heard the Phantom Siren in a very long time. And all of a sudden, a couple of days after I said it, I, I turn on uh, the, you know, the Sunday game. <laughs> uh, 
I turned and I got home from the Knights. It was a very, very upsetting weekend. Put the game on. Wasn't feeling very well. You know, I didn't know if I'd make it through the week. And all of a sudden, <laughs> he busted out of nowhere before halftime and then again at full time. And, and I was on my phone in seconds to get onto you. Going, wait, have you got home? Are you home for the footy already? <laughs> oh. <laughs> sirens back. And picture the scene, <laughs> listeners, of, of me in a similar state to Gazzy, uh, despondent after the Knights' insipid defeat to Canterbury. Uh, I was sitting, I can, I, it's one of those where were you moments. I was sitting on the street outside Raj's corner, uh, eating a chicken curry and a couple of samosas. And I get all these messages in all caps, just with phantom siren over and over again, phantom siren. And I was like, oh God, I've missed it. Um, and I had to go home and, and put KO on and listen to it. And it was every bit as good as I imagined. <laughs> You're right. It's wonderful. And it's never not funny. And uh, what we have endeavoured to do here for you today, listeners, is take you through the full history of the Phantom Siren from origins to the present day. Uh, we've crunched the numbers. We've gone back through the archives. I've spent uh, most of the last week uh, locked in the bowels of Cessnock Library, uh, going through the old, uh, going through the old documents, going through the microfiche, uh, all of it to, to bring you uh, the, a, a comprehensive study of, of the, this man and his impact on rugby league. Uh, and I, let me tell you something. I, I, I don't want to go overboard here. But the results will shock you. The results will yeah. shock you. Uh, and, uh, of course, I have done sort of no research or, of any kind other than I have – I can reveal that I have watched clips of him doing the siren quite a bit over the last yeah. week. So, Good. in a way, I'm as prepared as you are. Um, I have certainly listened to repeatedly to him doing sirens, um, you know, on, on, on the fan and uh, the roast and you know, boots and all and at games. So, I'm likewise, I feel very prepared for this moment. Mm. So you should, and you know, yeah. like, don't get me wrong. The the, the, the siren over the years, the, the phantom has uh, has appeared in the media. Yeah. Uh, he has given interviews, sometimes under the condition of anonymity. In recent times, <laughs> not so much. Uh, he's appeared on the fan, as you say, but I don't think that the rugby league community has ever grasped the extent of his influence and and how far it goes. But but to begin this tale, Gazzy, we have to go back to the twelfth of March in the year two thousand. Sydney's Olympic year, and uh, I will bring you this from Steve Mascord in the City Morning Herald. St George Illawarra 9, West Tigers 15. National Rugby League officials were left red-faced by another match day gaffe when a spectator impersonating a siren caused the first half of yesterday's match at Wynn Stadium to, court, to finish 17 seconds early. Now, <laughs> this is the first recorded instance of the Phantom, and it worked. <laughs> You've seen the footage. Yeah, it's so good. We've got to put that footage up. The, the referee calls it, and there's a player's arguing with him and stuff. It's not over. He goes, nope, the siren's gone, and just keeps really holding the line and send him off. Um, can, I, can I raise a defence here of the NRL, if you'll allow mm, me? Absolutely. This set that they've been left red-faced by a gaff. I think they were entitled at this point not to have a specific protocol in place for fake sirens. Like, yeah. If you look at... You know, They're entitled not to expect this. Yeah, if, if you look at foreseeability and you know the but for test, I just think that there. Were, I don't know that in their manual of things that could go wrong and might go wrong, and that you had to plan for it was necessary at this stage to plan for the fact that like some so might show up and start like sort of just doing a siren noise. Yeah, no, I think you. I think you're right. Um, yeah. and far be it for us to defend the NRL. Um, no, but I think that's. I think they were entitled entitled not to expect this to happen. Uh. 
it, it came less than three weeks after North Queensland, and I'm about to set you off here, less than three weeks after North Queensland used 14 players against Parramatta. Oh, yeah, week... 14 player controversy. <laughs> yeah, well, we, there, there's, a, there's an argument for a separate pod just on the history of 14 player controversy. But uh, yeah. after, a, and after a fair Northern Eagles goal was wrongly disallowed, referee Paul Simpkins called an end to the first period of yesterday's match only for the real siren to sound as players were leaving the field. Um, luckily for the NRL, West Tigers, who were feeding a scrum 10 metres out and looking to launch one last raid against a Dragons team down to 12 men, eventually won the game 15-9. Anyway, the NRL plans to overhaul security measures and timekeeping procedures after the Phantom Siren. Um, now, that's all very good. And imagine the scene that your your team is on the attack against a 12-man line, feeding a scrum 10 metres out. They've rushed to pack the scrum. And then... This, this this mystery siren goes off and the teams walk off with 17 seconds left. Um, you've talked about a defence for the NRL. I can provide you another one here mm. uh, from NRL football director Graham Annesley. <laughs> Annesley said of the siren incident, it was only half a dozen rows behind me. It was just someone with their voice. It was a very good imitation, I must say. It's pretty hard to confiscate someone's voice. <laughs> fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, it hasn't resulted in anything too dramatic. It could have been very tricky. We're going to have a look at it during the week to see if we can come up with some sort of double check on the siren. Um, now, a couple of things here. First of all, starting out, Graham Annesley and the mm. NRL, very chill about the Phantom Siren. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Would have preferred it not happen, but not the end of the world. Secondly, isn't it good to see, Gassy, that in the 22 years since this incident, the, the, the rugby league discourse has moved on and grown so much that all the way back 22 and a bit years ago in March 2000, we were all arguing about a succession of refereeing blunders and watching Graham Annesley go out there and defend the line. And all these years later, in July, as we record today in August 2022, that's all gone now. <laughs> We've moved on from that. Yeah. Do, do we know if there was a full press conference held on that one where it could get grilled by the media? So Tigers, uh, uh, um, you know, the uh, obstruction off the kickoff... Uh, style or like the yeah. blocker or whatever it's called these days. It's, no, that's all very good. Um, we should, of course, point out, as as I briefly touched on before, that he only tends to do these when the game's not in the balance or it favours St George. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a great example of the of the latter. Yes, of that that, that it, it's. I, I've got to say, if I had the capacity to win the game seventeen seconds before half time, uh, Newcastle would have won a lot more games. I think there's a lot of games I would have got canned, or at least the margin would have been better. Um, I've uh, you know there'd be people breaking away on intercepts, and I'd be calling time at the time's gone. <laughs> Get off. Yeah, um, well, but exactly it's good. Right. Uh, the only thing I had to ask was about this Northern Eagles goal. I just wanted to, this goal that wasn't a goal. Was there mm. any talk that there was one flag up and one flag down in that? Well, that's I would or like did they to both think get so. it wrong? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm, we're going to have to go back and investigate that as well. Yeah. But um, I'd like to think there was one up, one down, and then the ref got it wrong. That's really yeah, the ideal. Yes. <laughs> because as we've discussed vote. before, yeah. as we've discussed before, the casting vote on a goal is the referee mm. who has the worst view. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's quite it's a it's a flawed system in that way, I suppose. Mm. Um, now, as I said, when, when this all started, they were pretty chill. Annesley's quotes there from the day after the game, you know, oh yeah, he's pretty good. Good luck to him. We don't want it to happen again. We'll put something in place. Right. Mm. That was on the third. That was on the twelfth of March, two thousand. Let me take you forward to the seventeenth of March. So Georgia Lawara officials believe they have finally blown full time on the Phantom Siren. <laughs> While general manager Bob Millwood 
declined to name the person responsible for cutting short the first half of last Sunday's match against West Tigers. Declined to name him, which is good. He said the club knew his identity, thanks, ironically, to a whistleblower from within the Dragons' army. Whistleblower? <laughs> so someone dogged him in. Yeah, it's like the concept of calling it a whistleblower, like someone in the crowd. Yeah. Like, can you can you whistleblow on other people in the crowd? Like, it's not Is really the context I mean, of that. Yeah. Whistleblower in legal terms has a very yeah. specific meaning. It brings with yeah. it certain protections. I assume that they apply here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you'd hate to see the United States sort of Julian Assange style trying to extradite like the Phantom Siren or something, wouldn't you? Well, indeed, um, indeed, like uh, Edward Snowden or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's right. That'd be a shocking um, old, set of circumstances. Poor old Siren who would spend five uh, years in the Ecuadorian embassy. <laughs> yes, that's not so good at all. Do we do we know why they declined to name him? No, I don't. Uh, what, uh, what what was the the suggestion that that look what what was going to happen if if his name became known? Oh, what a good question. I mean, what. Is it a privacy issue? I mean, I think at a certain point, if you stand up in a grandstand at a rugby league match and attempt to imitate the siren, you are, to a certain extent, waiving your fundamental right to, you know, a certain amount of privacy. Yeah. Um, would have created the media frenzy is probably the worry. That's true. Would have had people around his house. Yeah. Uh, it seems the siren imitator has done it before, being threatened with ejection from Cogra Oval a few years ago for using his voice to similar effect. Uh, <laughs> Millwood was unsure what action the Dragons would take against the staunch supporter, but the NRL has taken the incident seriously. And this is where Graham Annesley sticks his oar in again. Again. Now, this is four days. This is March mm. the 17th, right? So the match is on the mm. Sunday. He's given the quotes, not such a big deal. Then on the Thursday, he says this. Or it might be the Friday, in fact. Uh, anyone caught impersonating a siren will be ejected from the ground. No. Uh, it is no different to disrupting the game in any other way. Now, listen to this. No different than jumping the fence and tackling a player who might be about <laughs> to score. Well, I mean, it's a little bit different. And also, when has that happened? Strikes me as a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, it's slightly different. Um it's not sort of also, it's not a criminal assault for starters. Yeah. Um, it's more, again, punking than the nature of aggressive contact. Um, also, you know, more ability to ignore it, I would have thought, at the game. But no, I, I mean, good luck to him. I mean, has anyone ever done that, though? Like, has anyone ever run on and tackled a player who was about to score? No. Like, as not... a comparator, like, why are we raising the comparison with something that has never, to my knowledge, it's never happened? never happened. I mean, if you yeah. do, I mean, you're going to inspire copycats. Uh, the oh, closest yeah. to that would probably be uh, be Peter Hall running on the field and diving into a tackle in a Chaser 07 shirt. Yeah, um, yeah, well, that's right. Back at, at Newcastle and Parramatta many years ago. Well, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's occurred to me that, it, you know, um, Newcastle this year, I mean, certainly if half the crowd started running on and tackling the other team's players, that would really narrow the margin a bit. <laughs> so it's, it's, certainly if that's an option, I'm really keen to sort of examine that with you. It's funny you yeah. say that. We had it in the under sevens. I'm coming back away here. In my days mm. playing in the Cessnock Goannas under sevens, we had a kid yeah. who was our best player. Uh, he was magnificent, but he used to get terrible migraines and would have to go off. And he, there was one famous game where he was on the sideline in tears because of this migraine, right? And the other team broke away down the touchline, and he just went, no, I'm not having this. Jumped to his feet from the bench, raced out onto the field, handed him down, and Scott sat with him into touch. From <laughs> Brilliant. Values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which might be the sort of thing stuff, that, isn't it? Absolutely <laughs> it is. Uh, it might be the sort of thing that, uh, that, that, that Graham Addersley's foreshadowing there. Mm. Meanwhile, um, this that, that note on the Phantom Siren came from a Sinbin, one of those, like, short bit columns in the yep. City Morning Herald. Uh, that same piece uh, tells a little story about 
uh, former Western Suburbs and Sydney City forward Shane Millard uh, complaining that uh, he was blanked by Posh Spice when uh, <laughs> when the London Broncos went backstage at the Brit Music Awards. So I just thought I'd <laughs> note that as well. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful to know. Thought you'd want to know that. I do. Uh, now we go forward in time. Certainly, the early two, the early two uh, thousands, very much the prime time for mm. the Siren. Uh, we have the Siren then uh, leaping into action at the Sydney Football Stadium a couple of weeks later, uh, with about a minute to go, mm. uh, causing a bit of pro- a bit of a problem in a match because uh, a strange wailing. This is according to Roy Masters. A strange wailing sound, possibly the Phantom Siren caller, appeared to signal the match end. When St George curiously did not kick to conclude their final set of six tackles, uh, and that gave Canberra the ball back and gave them the opportunity to score. Um, obviously, there is a bit of risk in the siren. You can blow it, and it might cause the game to end, but it might confuse your own team, which yeah. seems to have been what happened there. Uh, he then appeared a little bit later, uh, a couple of weeks later, fifteen seconds before half time, in an SFS match between the Dragons and Penrith. Uh, Graham Annesley was at the match, but says he didn't hear it. That um, that sidelines column, by the way, has a mention of uh, the hunt for Anthony Mundine, um, <laughs> which is happening. <laughs> um, St George of the Warwick boss Bob Millwood uh, says there's been reports that he's been sighted in London, but I know that Basil's, uh, sorry, I know that Ian Millwood, his son's wife, and kids are down in London at the Anzac commemoration service, and they haven't rang to say they've bumped into him or anything. Um, so that. <laughs> Just not well, it, it, well, if they haven't seen him, I'd like to think there's no chance he could be in London. Like, exactly. How that, could yeah. you possibly avoid each other? How could you miss him? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's 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 fantastic. All of that is very very good. Yes. Now that, as you say, all of that is good. That's a bit of origin story for the Phantom Siren. I take you forward now to the 28th of May 2000. Northern Eagles versus the St George Illawarra Dragons, mm. and this is a merging of two great rugby league concepts at the same time. Rugby League's Phantom Siren, this is from Peter Chippy Fralingos uh, in the Daily Telegraph. God rest his soul, yeah. Indeed. Rugby League's Phantom Siren played a role in Sunday's 14-man replacement drama at the SFS. No. Yes. Uh, the NRL How? yesterday, well, let me, let me, I'm glad you asked. The NRL yesterday issued the Northern Eagles with a breach notice that will cost the club around $1,500 for having a 14th player on the field for just 10 seconds before half time. Because of the minor reach, uh, because of the minor breach, the NRL was never going to strip the Eagles of the two points they earned by beating St. George of the Warrior 22-12. Mm. However, the NRL has confirmed another performance by the Phantom Siren caused a stir while the replacement error was taking place. His impersonation was so real, Mark Oaten, referee, told players that's not it when the imposter sounded off 30 seconds before halftime. Uh the Eagles realised they had 14 men when Brendan Reeves went to the sideline to adjust a boot and returned to the field on the far side after Jamie Goddard went on as a replacement. Uh, so they, they they seem to be suggesting that because the siren went off, that caused the player to go off the field. Right. Um, and that accordingly... And then he's run back on. Right, so he's gone off to fix his boot. Siren's gone, I'm fixing it. And then he goes, oh, crap, that's not that's not half-time, runs on, but his replacement's come on. That seems to be the, the allegation. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. That's a that's a one what a wonderful rugby league crossover. It is good, and the, in the confusion, right? So the siren confusion, at the very least, yeah. has caused enough distraction that they didn't know. Uh, trainer Frank Panisi noticed the problem and yelled, "Get him off!" for Reeves to get off the field. Uh, NRL operations manager 
Graham Annesley, was at the SFS and instructed ground staff to look out for the phantom in case he repeated the whale close to full time. <laughs> there is no witch hunt by the NRL looking for the phantom, but he now has impersonators at other grounds. We have instructed ground staff and referees to be aware of that situation. In, in what way? Like, how would you be aware? If you're not okay. hunting for them, you know. But if but, you don't know who he is, how do you keep an eye out? Because once he starts yeah. the siren, you bug it, unless you go and crash tackle him in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, it's also a bit late, isn't it? So, geez, it's it's getting pretty high end now. Do we know if Asia was involved at this point? Like, how, how deep is the search for the for the well, phantom? I can tell you that uh, North Queensland had been pinged for fourteen on the field a couple of weeks earlier and lost the points. This sounds so, like a golden era for fourteen on the field. It's sensational. Two it's like in, a, two in a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. North Queensland Chief Executive Rabia Krayam, uh said that uh, he just said he said it seems there is no consistency. Uh, while Dragon coach David Waite said, we don't, we didn't complain, but all I will say is that this is a precedent. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's a dangerous precedent, but it's a precedent at the very least. Is there, is, is there any... <laughs> it's a really funny comment. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's sort of just like saying, this is a sentence. Like, it doesn't mm. mean anything. It's a precedent. Um, yeah, no, that, that, is, that is really good. Um, all of that is fantastic. I love 14th man controversies because as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. you don't sort of need like, um, you know, sort of a graduate degree to work out how it does it. Like when one player goes off the field, someone has to go on and you cannot send someone on unless someone has gone off. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as someone comes off and someone goes on, that's really mm-hmm. all you've got to monitor, you know? So if you're off, don't go on unless somebody has come off. That's my understanding. And, yeah. and that, that seems, seems intuitive sort of, to me. You'd almost think that could be self-governing with even out interchange officials that someone could just not go on the field. Like I'm, I'm calling industry sort of self-regulation here. You could almost <laughs> just not go on the field unless someone's come <laughs> off and the whole thing would be sorted. I would have thought so too, Gaz. Yeah, anyway. I would have thought so too. But you've got, to factor in, you've got to factor in the carnage and chaos and confusion caused by a phantom siren call. Yes, 30 seconds before half time. Right. Referee Mark Oaten, all at sea. Uh, now, following that incident, uh, on the 30th of May 2000, Rugby League's most wanted man emerged from two months in hiding yesterday to issue a stern challenge to NRL officials. <laughs> in a rare appearance on Channel 10 News, first at five, the man, who was not identified, <laughs> dared officials to catch me if you can. With his face covered in what appears to be a Balinese dragon mask, the St. George Illawarra fan demonstrated his uncanny siren-blowing skills. He then stated his intention to continue attending NRL matches and copying the halftime hooter, despite warnings from officials that he'll be barred from attending NRL fixtures if his siren does not cease. He's taunting them, Gazzy. He's taunting oh, them. Yeah, catch me if you can. Uh, absolute king. Um, I don't know if this is going to come up at some point, but like him yeah. imitating it for Channel 10, it does make me, the thing I've always wondered about him, because I, I just love him to death. The thing I've always wondered is how did he find out that he could do this? Well, I saw an interview with him in which he discussed yeah. this. He, he says that he, he, he claims that he discussed, discovered it in the shower, that did a stretch and let out this noise. And when I've gone, that sounds like the siren. And just, <laughs> and, <laughs> seriously, that's what he said. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. um, and which, you know, you have to be a certain type of person, I think, to make that connection in the first place. But having yeah. made it, he then workshopped it and rolled it out at the NRL. Have you ever 
stretched and made a noise that sounded like a siren at any point? No, um, but I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it yeah. a whirl. I can tell you. Yeah, well, that we might end with you trying to do one. But well, it's just it's, the the concept. I just found it so like to discover you have this unique mm. gift. It just you know you just think it would never come up. And thank God that he stretched in the shower that day, or exactly. we would have been robbed of so much of the history of the game. This is prime time for us. Like at this point, we're sort of very late primary school, mm. um, you know, for me, or you probably mid to late and, and, and that sort of thing. So it's really quite, you know, this was all happening when we were really drinking and eating everything to do with the game, you know? It was nothing it was better. All, and it, yeah. was so, it was so strange. Like, I, yeah, it was so strange. And, and it was a real talking point. If anything that sounded like a siren went off at a game, at a local game, mm. you'd be going to watch Incessnock or something, and they'd say, oh, that might be the Phantom. There'd be people in the crowd. There'd be this sort of tittering of, oh, there's the Phantom Sirens here. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so at that point, he starts taunting the, the NRL. Um, I can exclusively reveal that shortly after this, uh, in fact, it, well, he went a little bit quiet after that throughout the second half of May 2000. There aren't any more reports yeah. of him. Uh, we then go to December yeah. 2000, and uh, in fact, January 2000, and a disturbing incident at the basketball uh, in which an NBL basketball. Game, yes, this is from uh, Tim Keeble in the Illawarra Mercury, January 2001. Forget about rugby league. If you want to hear basketball's version of the Phantom Siren, one Hawks fan has got it down pat. Phantom 2 turned, down, uh, turned several heads. In the Hawks' big win over the Kings, he wears a curly and colourful wig if you haven't spotted him yet. So that is the first recorded instance of the Phantom yeah. crossing into another sport and a copycat emerging at a different sport. Well, that's always the risk, isn't it, of copycats? It's, um, it's why you'd want to not release too many details about him, you know, that only he would know, so that you'd be able to start distinguishing between copycats. Yes. Um, you don't want to, but that, that's, that's fantastic. It, you know, I, I love the idea of this. One of the great things about people is when stupid things just take off, you know, like yeah. the concept that one person's done this, um, kicking off over multiple sports is just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and you're right. This, this, this copycat kind of culture uh, has, has given us this. It's not the last time either. Let me tell you, I'll give you the exclusive tip. Uh, now, February 15th, 2001, referees and match officials beware. The Phantom Siren is back for 2001. He mm. let go with a superb rendition of his art late in the Dragons' trial against the Bulldogs as Dogs half Craig Polamounter was about to be a scrum mm. in Dragons' territory. God, it's, I, I'm so glad oh. you read the words Craig Polamounter, I have to say. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, sorry. A few players started shaking hands and heading for the sheds, <laughs> but referee Tony Archer was not fooled, packed the scrum, <laughs> and the game continued for a few more minutes. <laughs> You gotta get up. The real siren sound. <laughs> you gotta get up pretty early in the morning to get one past Tony Archer. <laughs> that's right. Now that's, that's oh, the shaking of hands is elite. That that to me is the gold standard. You know, like actually yeah. having people full blown signify the end of the game and stuff. It's just that that is a complete victory uh, mm. for the siren. Absolutely, that's right. And it's 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 a tribute to his work. Uh, if you can get mm. people who genuinely just like go about their businesses if the game's finished. Yeah. Uh, people have heard a lot of sirens, you know, like these aren't siren novices. Like these guys have played <laughs> a lot of rugby league games. They've heard plenty of sirens. Don't worry about that. <laughs> you know? So right. Uh, now, oh. that takes us to the start of the NRL season in 2001, uh, possibly as a result of this incident at the trial after a few months of silence. Uh, Peter Fralingos in his five for argument's sake column in the in the Daily Telegraph on the fifth mm. of March two thousand one reports 
The Phantom Sirens run as a cult figure may be drawing to a close. At Wynn Stadium on Saturday night, the Siren made his debut for season 2021, but fortunately Tony Archer was ready for him. With about 15 seconds left, the Siren let fly with a ripper, which had some fans getting to their seat, uh, getting to their feet, believing the game was over. Archer followed the referee's game plan, glanced at the clock and told the players the game wasn't over. Now, that might be a bit of a win for Annesley's new protocol there. Uh, but this is what disturbed me. NRL officials have run out of patience with the siren. They fear there is still the potential for a referee to prematurely end a game by mistaking the imposter for the real thing. Plans are in place to catch the culprit next time, although nobody is sure what can be done with him apart from escorting him out. Well, yeah, I mean, that's about it, isn't it? You put him yeah. on some sort of board so he can't get into grounds. It'd be very hard to police in the tooth. Like, the security wasn't all that good. Like, I don't, we weren't exactly using face-scanning technology to get in. Mm. Um, well, you've got to factor sort of, in the Balinese dragon mask as well. Yeah, but yeah. Well, yeah is he wearing that in? Well, it's, um, uh, plans to catch him. I wonder what these plans like. Was this an undercover <laughs> operation? Like, does the NRL, like, we've got the integrity unit now. And I was wondering, if yeah. we had the integrity unit, then do, do they have, like, an undercover sort of like an operational unit that can sort of just go undercover and pretend mm. to, you know, be out there going, hey, dude, you know, um, you know the Phantom Siren, like I'm keen to meet him and all this and sort of arrest him? Well, possibly. The, I mean, what can they yeah, do? They would have had to plant someone. I don't know. But this is, can I say, uh, the second but not the last crackdown on the Phantom Siren that is ventilated in the papers. I'm counting this as crackdown number two uh, after Annesley's claim that it's akin to running on the field and tackling a player. Yeah, um, I can also tell you that from that same uh, article, just a couple of other of Peter Fellingos's five for argument's sake, Hollywood Bill Harrigan's uh, one-man crusade against players overstepping the mark from kickoffs has caused unrest amongst the NRL at Fox Studios. <laughs> um, this is about. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, yeah, as the game and probably the world's leading referee, dubious Harrigan has taken it on himself to police kickoffs from the sideline, uh, and his decision has not pleased referees coach Peter Louie. Uh, so make of that what you will. Shut up, Bill. We yep. stand with Peter Louie. Yeah, thank you. And uh, finally, it's only a matter of time before this is Chippy Frillingos again. It's only a matter of time before artificial kicking tees spark an incident between clubs. What? <laughs> Players are entitled to use the moldable plastic tees manufactured for the purpose of assisting kickers, but it appears there are rumbles of discontent over the disparity in the size of the implements. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you can use whatever you want, then just use whatever anyone else is using. Like, I mean, you could just copy that. Um, but, no, I, I mean, I, I think – I didn't know Chippy was a sand fundamentalist. But, okay. I mean, I, I – I, as you know, I believe in, in kicking off sand pretty strongly. And, and I would have had no trouble of us just saying, you know what, we got this one wrong. Let's blow up artificial kicking teeth. Artificial mm. is such a good way to <laughs> – such a good way to call it, <laughs> you know. Like, it's calling them artificial, like as opposed to the natural phenomenon of building your own sand. mound of sand that's been imported yeah. from somewhere and brought dumped at a football ground. But um, yeah, I, I think we should go back to sand, um, mm, as you know, and uh, it's I'm all for that. But no, what a wonderful thing! Is there standardised kicking tee size now? Like, do we have rules and regular? Like, is it like cricket bats? They're going to be a certain sort of a maximum width and, and length and all that sort of thing. I'm, I'm glad you asked. Do you know uh, if you can get the metallic? Are you allowed to use that metallic paint on the kicking tees they used on the Beast and the Big Kahuna that Ricky Ponting got oh, banned? Yes. Like the, the carbon, be, yeah, yeah, the, the carbon, carbon fibre reinforcement. If we use them on the tees, that'd cause a bit of un, sort of ill ease amongst the clubs. What a thought! Uh, it was noted that certain Super Twelve rugby kickers used a standard-sized witch's hat to get astonishing elevation out of kickoffs. Apparently, much to the chagrin of opposition sides. 
Although NRL guidelines prevent that level of excess, some clubs are not happy with what they believe to be oversized tees, which can give kicking sides an unfair advantage in short kickoffs. Um, so anyway, I just I thought, oh, yeah, that... well, it sounds a lot like artificial Pat Richardsing, from what I can tell. It's just everyone yeah. sort of trying to do what Pat Richards could do off a normal tee. So it's just taking away, you know, it takes away from the natural advantage that only Pat Richards has. Yeah, that's right. Uh... <laughs> Best kicker offer of all time, by the way. Fact, no, not even close. Not even yeah. close. There's no. I, if you ask me to name who was second, I, I couldn't. Um, no, it's it's Pat Richards all the way. Yeah. Uh, I, I take you now to uh, where are we going now? March ninth, two thousand one. After two seasons, the fire Phantom Siren has finally been identified. But there's little to, little St. George Illawarra officials can do to stop him disrupting matches. Now this is where it starts to get very concerning, and I I had fears for his welfare when I read this. The Siren, a Dragon season ticket holder, was apprehended during the round two match against the West Tigers at the Sydney Football Stadium, where he successfully argued that security had no legal grounds to evict him. (laughs) (laughs) Which, just like, the idea, one, that they, like, got him, gotcha, got him by the collar, dragged him out, and him presumably having what the kind of rugby league equivalent of a voir dire uh, at the gate, arguing the case. I don't know if he had representation or how it was argued, but making yeah. the case, I don't know if he produced a, a law book or NRL rules and regulations or something. Yeah, yeah, you think it comes up later. You get the turfing and later manage to argue your way in, but it's, it's quite an effort to argue your way to not get booted at all on legal precedent. Well, you've um, done a lot of... I mean, you're a, you're a nightclub fiend. I mean, think about the analogous I, situation of being... Yeah. You know, you're in a nightclub and the security guard decides to chuck you out or decides to not let you in. Hmm. What chance are you arguing your way around that? Oh, not on your way yeah. out. There's very little chance on your way out. Like, mm-hmm. I can't think of anything that would, especially, yeah, anything legal on, on legal precedent. Because I've I mean, tried, Gaz. Yeah. tried. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, that's um, it's very interesting. It's very funny that after all that, they've decided there's nothing they could do after a year and a half's chest beating about finding him and banning him. They yeah. you know, have found him and can't do anything about it. Um, it like, is it, is it just, what's the. I suppose he's just making noise at the football ground. Too. And I mean, like, you're entitled to make noise at a football ground. There's no, yeah, it's not offensive. It's not, um, yeah. you know, there must be some rule about, like, you can't go there and just blow a massive foghorn or something. So there must be some, you know what I mean? Like, there must be some rule about the noises you can make at the ground. It, what, if you took a, what if you took a Vuvuzela? Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, there must be some rules about what you can and can't verbalise in terms of how loud it is or disruptive it is. But look, I, I agree with him. I, I, without having checked in any way, I imagine there's no legal precedent for banning Phantom well, can I, I Let me put, put it to you this way. I mean, you're a, you're a solicitor admitted in the Supreme Court of New South Wales. Mm. If, if the Phantom Siren was to be ejected again, and now that mm. he's made his return, this is a live possibility. Yeah. Are you available uh, to provide pro bono assistance? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. absolutely, like pro bono till the end of time. Phantom yeah. Siren, if you listen to this, if you need any legal advice of any kind at any point, I'll be only too happy to represent you free of charge. Yeah, that's very good. I thought that would be the case. Uh, yes. If you will do fake sirening, you know, I, if I will accept fake sirening as payment. <laughs> so I don't know if that counts as pro bono, but I, like I'm asking him to basically perform. But that'd be a good um, idea for uh, yeah. be a good idea for cameo. You could you could get like on your birthday, you know, the, like, you know those. Yeah. Those sites where you get some celebrity to record a message yeah. just for you. You get the Phantom Siren in oh, the, in the wow. Balinese Dragon Mask to do a mm. Phantom Siren dedicated. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Gazzy, happy, happy birthday, mate. This one's for you. And then, you know. Yeah, ah, you, yeah. you could play it at midday and midnight. 
on your birthday, the half-time, full-time <laughs> siren. Be fantastic. Oh, you know, I right. might investigate this. We'll see if we can get him on. Well, I don't forget what those sites are called, but there's, there's one, the NRL. Swish is the one yeah, I think Swish. the league Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we could get him on that, I'd be absolutely – I think that's a very big chance for our, both of our birthdays. Mm. How much would you pay for that? Like, what, what, five grand? Yeah, something like yeah, that. Something yeah. that, yeah. And then I think I'd certainly be going into debt. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, that same that same Sinbin piece from Brad Wilder and Steve Mascord. Uh, includes an extraordinary rumour that Wayne Bennett's been approached to coach the Wallabies, um, <laughs> which is something which didn't happen. But geez, it's a thought. Again, that goes back to what you've been saying. Like with this, like honestly, thing. It's great we've moved on because now in 2022, we've spent the last like three weeks hearing about Eddie Jones trying to coach the Raptors, and exactly it's just right. good to know that like things do move on over time, and we gradually yeah. get away from these silly ideas. We grow and evolve. Yeah. Uh, now, one of the things that jumps out to me about this whole about the, this research that we've undertaken uh, is that really two camps in the media, as there often are with with polarizing issues. Uh, my now, I will take you to the 9th of March, two thousand and one, <clears throat> and the Fralingos column. Yeah. The Daily Telegraph. Uh, Chippy writes, "I am the not so proud owner of a damaged eardrum thanks to the questionable talents of the Phantom Siren via my voicemail." I noted here on Monday that the siren continues to head the NRL's most wanted list after his exploits at Wynn Stadium last Saturday night. The fake siren managed to fool at least one unsuspecting commentator, blah, blah, blah. Mm. It was funny the first two or three times, but now Mr. Siren has become a real pest, he says. This no. is chippy. This is, the, this is rugby league's leading journalist declaring himself anti-siren. No, I don't, I don't buy that at all. He, he certainly overlooks that repetition is one of the funniest things that you sort of can do. And, and once you realise you can disrupt a game with this siren, I would see no reason to stop. It only gets funnier over time. It was as funny as, as funny last weekend as it ever was. Absolutely right. If he did it every game, I would never find it not funny. I love the idea of him ringing Chippy Fralingos to just taunt him by doing the siren down the phone, by the way. Oh, that's oh, genius. that's wonderful. We could just pretend it wasn't him. No, it wasn't me, mate. You know? It just shows it's getting, as is often the way with these things, getting more and more brazen uh, as as time goes on. Yeah. He, a couple of days after this, he then uh, gave quotes to the Sydney Morning Herald or to the Sun Herald and Danny Widler, who's very much a very much a pro Phantom Siren advocate in the media. Mm. Is uh, he? Yes, he and he and Andrew Webster in particular, very very pro Siren, very yeah, well, keen. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll take a mark out of my book for him. You know, he's gone yeah. up in my estimation. Yeah, absolutely. From sort right. of negative fifty to like negative forty-eight. <laughs> Do continue. Well, <laughs> he. Uh, he, he quoted the siren as saying, no one has got close to me. They must have caught one of those Milli Vanilli sirens. There are some imposters around who have been copying me, but they should know that there is only one phantom and I'll never be caught. So he's, he's, he's right. denying that he was ever apprehended and claims that it was someone else who argued their way out of uh, being booted out of the ground. Uh, I feel sorry for anyone who copies me and gets caught. I'm a genius. I'm too quick, too smart and too pretty. There yeah. are rumours circulating that the NRL is considering a different way to end games so that they can blow full time on the fire. <laughs> on the, um, he really had them running, didn't he? He's really yeah. kind of... What are they going to start doing, like start blowing like a foghorn or something? Like a totally different noise after a, a hundred years of history. <laughs> remember, Melbourne, like, remember Melbourne when they had that orchestral, uh, that, 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 like orchestra music to blow the siren at half and full time at, at their ground um, a few was, years ago? I don't think they still do that. Was that an anti-phantom measure? Well, do I we don't know. know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe taking uh, things into their own hands. The Phantom was defiant. He said, "I can do hooters as well." Like, 
was a hell of a thing to say in any context. I can't and won't be stopped, he said. So there you go. Yeah. Well, he's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll I... tell you how many, how many NRL officials have been and gone and the Phantom's still here, apart from Graham Annesley. But, I well... mean, everyone else has come and gone and the, the Phantom still lives and still rides among us. Do we know well... if he's weighed in after the weekend again, saying I'm well, all right I... with it? No. Like, I... Oh, Annesley. No, I haven't. Yeah, there was yeah. no – Rothfield did a story on it, which I will get to, but he uh, yeah. he didn't he didn't say – I didn't see any quotes from Annesley. Yeah. That would be a wonderful, yeah. like, circular kind of – uh, moment in history, wouldn't it, for it all to come back yeah. around, just like uh, just like a hundred years of solitude, you know, just generation after generation having to give comments about the Phantom Siren. Yeah, well, yeah, a lot like that. But, yeah. but but all of them, Graham Annesley. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> there was uh, there was then a report that the the Phantom had again appeared at a at a Wollongong Hawks NBL match, uh, which apparently was not so effective because the siren is actually different mm. in uh, in that particular competition. Then he appeared at a Manly and West Tigers match at Brookvale Oval. Tricked plenty of people, but not the referee and the players. That article, by the way, from the Manly Daily also mentions that uh, beach volleyballers Kerry Potthast and Natalie Cook will represent Australia at the Goodwill Games. Yes. Uh, just thought I'd mention that. Yes, the Goodwin Games. Good to see. <laughs> That's right. Um, Lord Ted, Bryce and Bronx. <laughs> All the good ones. Yeah. Um, and it's good. It's, it's, I'm glad that they were, you know, they've been recognised in that way. Mm. Uh, now I, I come to an incident from July the 2nd, 2001, that I have to describe as extremely disturbing. Mm. Uh, the the Phantom Siren spreading into rural and regional rugby league, mm. into country rugby league. Wow. Collegians, collegians reinforced their Carlton Illawarra League premiership claims with a 48-10 win over a gallant Port Kembla at uh, yeah. Optus Vision Field, Gasmund. Optus Vision. Optus Vision. Uh, I, it seems a bit late in the day for Optus Vision to be sponsored. Yeah, I think it's a relic, yeah. Um, and I don't know that, I mean, 2000, like Paul Kembler probably seems about right for Optus Vision at that stage. Yeah, yeah, well, it's one that's one of those sort of like... I think it's just a little bit like the um, Julia Gillard sort of school halls. Like, the, like once it all dies, the, the plaque is still there, you know? So there's, it, it's, I would imagine that this has sort of been, yeah, from the heyday of Optus Vision and it's just mm. sort of no one else has ever sort of offered to sponsor or name the crowd. Oh, yeah, well, that may be right. Uh, I don't, there's no indication of whether they used to repeat the, uh, the big TV thing yes absolutely in every oh, game yeah port Gamble home games wouldn't that get the crowd going melinda gainsford taylor starts busting out onto the ground out of the um big tv gavin robinson yeah yeah or tim may i think it was wasn't it it was tim and, may yeah. Yeah. yeah uh the turning point in this match came just before half time when college center nigel daniels broke away down the right flank sending an inside pass to speeds to chris barnes who scored between the mm. posts for halfback josh guyatt to convert so instead of going in at the break, leading 10-4, Collies read 16-4 and in a more commanding position to go on with the job in the second term, which they duly did. Some players from both sides later said that they heard a sound associated with Wollongong's infamous phantom siren before the killer try, and people in the crowd confirmed that. So wow. whether it was him or whether it was someone else, whether it was an imitator, someone yeah. busted out the phantom siren at Collegians versus Port Campbell at Optus Vision Field. Does this ever put to it? Do we know? Well, no, not to my knowledge, no. Yeah. No, I haven't seen anything to that effect. Absolute man of mystery, isn't he? So you just don't know. Like with a lot of these, it's just a, it's a lot like sort of, um, 
Tasmanian tiger sightings and stuff like that. Like, you just don't know. Like, someone says, oh, you know, I've seen one. Mm. But you just can't, you know what I mean? Like, you can't ask him. You can't ask the Tasmanian tigers. You just never know. It just goes out there. Like, we'll never answer the question of whether that was him. No, that's right. That's, yeah. It, it just, okay. you know, it might have been him. He might still be around. He might go to country games. He might not. No, it's a mystery. But the it's threat like of it's enough. He's like D.B. Cooper. He's never going to, you know. Yeah, it's a bit, it's just the threat of it, isn't it? Like, once you know there's a live threat, yeah. everyone's on edge for it, you know? Like, That's everyone's right. thinking, oh, you know, is he going to go today? Is he going to not? Yeah, people dead set, like, absolute, like, you know, I mean, heart conditions at, like, country games all over the country wondering about the Phantom Siren. Yeah, well, Will this be the day? Well, to give, to, to add to that, Danny Widler then reported on uh, on the 30th of September 2001. Stop saying Danny Widler. to <laughs> bothering me. He's at the centre of a lot of. He's, he's been a keen, yeah. a keen advocate over the years. Yeah, the, the NRL's most wanted figure, the Phantom Siren, will be part of the official NRL Grand Final pre-match entertainment. The NRL <laughs> doesn't. The NRL doesn't realise this has employed him in another role behind the scenes. Um, so you know, again, I was going to say it would have been a real backtrack if they had have actually officially involved him well, in indeed. the Grand Final proceedings, having you know, um, be a lot like a. The, when Mal Meninga signed with the Super League and they ended up having to do him the parade around with the legends at the end of the year for in 95. It's sort of a real backtrack if you let the sort of mm. um, go at the Phantom Siren also trying to rest him and then have him on the grand final. It's um, it's not a bad idea. You know how South ring that, rang that bell in the grand final? <laughs> well, what about, like, can you imagine, like, imagine the crowd, right, if for kickoff or something. Um, I suppose for halftime as well, but if they just ceremoniously, like if they're allowed to do a bell, ceremoniously every grand final at kickoff instead of the referee blowing, if we just had a phantom siren, if he just went out mm. there and started proceeding. So it was a sort of a way of ingratiating legally into the game and sort of yeah. harnessing it in an acceptable form for it's administrators. Right. It's hard minimisation, really. And it'd, it? Get the, yeah. and it'd get the crowd absolutely off there. I'd never miss a grand final if I thought he was going to be there live. No, but it also, it, it, it brings him into the tent. You know, this is what this is the trouble. Yeah. They've set themselves yeah. up in an adversarial way. The league yeah. have decided to be adversaries of the side. Yeah, that's right. You, you need uh, to be a broad church. That's, that's, I couldn't have put it better myself. Uh, a couple of, it, it, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a pause then until April two thousand and two, when the Dragons mm. were forced to deny that quote. Uh, this is from uh, this is from Dean Bulldog Ritchie in the Daily Telegraph. The dragons, de- the dragons deny that the awful sound passed off as the full-time siren at Wind Stadium last Sunday week was an attempt to thwart the infamous Phantom Siren. Uh, not true. The timekeeper just pushed the wrong button. CEO Peter, <laughs> CEO, hang on, CEO Peter Doust said. Doust, Doust. Yeah, well, it's fantastic. Couple of things quickly on that that I absolutely. do think we need to cover. First of all, what are the other buttons there for? Because what other noises need to come out of that system other than the siren? Like what? Like, what are the other options? I'd love to know what this like, supposed awful sound was. I'd love but to this know is the noise. thing. Like, you push the button for the siren. Mm. What's the second button for? It's like on your car horn. You don't have, like, you don't go, oh, I accidentally ah. hit the other button next to the car horn and it made some sort of bizarre noise. You only need the one noise. The second one is I backed them that it wasn't an attempt to thwart the the siren because I mean so far they've done a pretty good job of protecting him St George. It's firstly only ever in there he only ever tries to advance their cause, mm. and secondly they refused to name him from the outset. Oh, that's right. There's no well, whistleblowing he... there. They they were under sort of that journalism protection, the sources and stuff. They were refusing to. Uh, from what I can, as I understand it, uh, Millwood would have gone to prison before he actually would have handed over the name. Yeah, you've asked by a court, he would have gone in contempt and gone to prison right. before he handed over the name. As it should be. Absolutely as it should be. Some things are higher. Some, there are higher principles at stake here. 
uh, um, this is a this is a protection racket, I think is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, basically. Uh, the other thing is just you mentioning Dean Bulldog Ritchie. But one of the great things coming out of this is just mm. to know that rugby league journalism hasn't actually changed in 20 years and it's just no. the same old fossils now yeah. are doing a bad job as we're doing a bad job. Like everyone <laughs> you've mentioned, apart from Chippy, um, yeah. God rest his soul, is just still writing the same piece every week, you know, but like changing the name Trent Barrett to Caelan Ponger or something like it's just, yeah. there's, there's no one new has come in. It's just the same people endlessly over time. The same people would have written about him this week that wrote about him in 2000. That is true. That's, that's absolutely true. We're going about 20 years here and so many of the names, I tell you what, it's been a real, going through all this was a real journey back to a certain time in my life because I, you know, my father used to buy the Telegraph uh, instead of only only used to buy it because it had the races, mm. um, had the form guide, which the SMH I don't believe did, and uh, the I spent a lot of time poring over the the thoughts of you know Bulldog Richie, Paul Kent, Chippy Frilingos, yep. et al. Yeah. Uh, so Better nice times. Be, well, it was. It just it was nice to be transported back to that to that time. I would have read these articles very keenly and would have you know would have been appalled, obviously that. The siren was being targeted. Well, did you ever dream of going up to sort of be a phantom siren yourself? Well, I'd never thought about it. I mean, I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I could, like just being a total pain in the ass at football games would be a fairly good role for you. That's it's true. In the arc, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, look, I'm prepared to give it some thought. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it's not too late. No, well, that's right. I mean, but also now, I mean, all bets are off. Now that he's come back, there'll be there'll be copycat incidents everywhere. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You know, free for all. Uh, now, we go to July two thousand and two. Now, by my reckoning, there hasn't been a credible report of a phantom siren for more than a year. Mm. But in our non-credible reports, well, I mean, I'm talking verified in one of yeah. Australia's okay. one of Australia's leading print publications. Okay, thank you. Yeah, uh, which is the standard, the burden of proof I'm choosing to apply here, or the standard of proof I'm yeah. choosing to apply yeah, here. Yeah, so I, yeah. The NRL officials are still hunting the game's phantom siren, and they think that they have tracked down where he sits at Dragons games. The siren is aware that he is being hunted and rang last word to issue a statement. They won't catch me, he said. I'm too pretty and too smart for the NRL. I just hope the fandom won't have to be the next star that leaves the NRL and goes to rugby union. <laughs> Another well, time in the game. So this was right at the uh, yes. uh, the Takiri, uh, Wendell Saylor, and and is, is this where we're at? Is it that the and Matt Rogers? Is that that glut? Absolutely, right yeah, yeah, yeah. Saylor yeah, yeah, for yeah. The, the home World Cup. Yeah, that that was a time, wasn't it? There was a um, uh, my second favorite mass exodus. My favorite one is when like for. No reason whatsoever. All those like that, Carmichael Hunt and Israel Folau signed at a totally different sport in mm-hmm. AFL that they were totally unsuited to and totally stunk at. Um, <laughs> that was sort of my favourite ever. But the the Rugby World Cup one was a good one, like the Who's Next and all that sort of stuff. And sort of three people went over, were mildly successful, and we got on with it. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, and but it was certainly and all came back. At the time. <laughs> well, yeah, yes. famously, that's right. Uh, meanwhile, uh, from that same last word column by uh, Sun Herald superscribe Danny Widler, uh, mm. South's comeback player Chris Caruana, the man with the rugby league's best body, is maintaining his silence about an evening he spent in the company of model Elle McPherson a couple of years ago. No. Uh, apparently. Caruana and Elle McPherson. You're kidding in the body. Well, and this, this is after she was basically sexually harassed on the footy show by Mario in like wearing only tidy whities of course. Mm, never forget. Um, 
which it, yeah, so sort of all of rugby league's best bodies at this point, if she's got car one, that, that's sort of rugby league's very own sort of Millsy and Paris incident. Well, it is. Thought, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about it like that, but when you, when you say it, you're absolutely right. Never yeah. forget. Never, ever forget. Meanwhile, in another example of, uh, of the game moving on and growing, uh, Widler reports that Shark Paul Mellor had a run-in with training staff during the week and is not too happy at the club. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I, you know, uh, just another example of learning and growing. Yeah. Now, July, we we flash forward in time. The, 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 after this kind of peak of 2000 and 2001, mm. there's a real sense that siren starts to become fewer and further between. Mm. Now, this, I'm not sure if this is legitimate or an imitation or an invention of the writer, but I take you to July 7th, 2003, and we have another recorded instance of the siren potentially influencing the result of a match. Mm. Uh, and this is from uh, this is from Mark Coyne. I assume it's the Mark Coyne. I assume it's not. I assume it's Mark Coyne of... Uh, foreign uh, foreign jail fame. Yes, of Singaporean prison yeah. fame, yes. Yeah. Uh, one of the weirdest things I've seen on a football, in football happen on Friday night, just before halftime, if you were listening to the game with about 40 seconds to go, the renowned Dragons fan, the Phantom Siren, did his thing, hoping that referee Stephen Clark would call half time as the Broncos were on the attack. Mm. But this is where it gets interesting, Gazzy. It ended up backfiring, however, because Benny Iken, hearing the fake siren and thinking that time had run out, decided to put in a chip kick, which led to a try and a 10-all draw at the break. Oh, dear. So oh, he's backfired, he's done him an injury. Yeah, well, I mean, in a sense, I mean, you do have to account for the fact that they only would have had more plays to have tried that if if it didn't play. Mm-hmm. Like, well, um, like, like cutting the time down, I, can, I don't, just don't think cutting the time down can ever technically backfire like in that way. If you've, you know, if you're, but but I take your you point that if forcing, did something he might not have done. You don't be forcing Ben. ben I, you don't be yeah. forcing Ben Iken to chip and chase. Oh, I nearly I nearly cut you off, but I thought I'd let you get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Can yeah, I but, suggest if you let if you and I don't mean any disrespect to Ben Iken here, but if you're letting Ben Iken score a chip and chase try in 2003. Contributory yeah. negligence. Like oh, yeah. He's full fluid knee by that point. Like, I don't mean, I'm not bagging the, the guy, yeah. but like, he, what pace and like electric pace wasn't really his game. Uh, not by yeah. the Broncos stage. No. Uh, yeah. Like, like skeletal steering was sort of his game at that yeah. point. Um, he was quite good at the Bears, but yeah, no, I, I, th- I don't think, I, I don't sort of remember him Phil Blaking a lot. No. I'm just saying, don't, don't, yeah. don't put all the blame on the siren here. Uh, we then had a series of bizarre incidents uh, involving one in which the siren uh, makes his first appearance of the 2004 season at the World Sevens. Uh, uh, the... Do they use the same siren in the Sevens? Well, I don't know. What a, what a good question. I suppose it would have to be shorter, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> Rabbitohs coach Paul Langmack said it's all a bit of fun. We're just getting ready to play 13 on 13 football. In this case, it's just a case of not dropping the ball. So that's good. Um, yeah. Unlike actual football. Um, he was excited by the prospect of the Bunnies potentially winning some silverware. But I also note, despite the 26-team uh, mm. event being played earlier in the year than usual, a brief storm and opposition from Metallica at Big Day Out. No. Officials were happy with the crowd. Sources told the Sun-Herald, and uh, this is from uh, Steve Mascord, sources told the Sun-Herald that promoter Michael Chugg contra- uh, contacted the Sydney Career Ground and Sports Trust mid-afternoon on behalf of Metallica about obtaining tickets for today, for the second day. To the sevens? Yeah. So Metallica have played the big day out. 
I want to, <laughs> what I mean, the next day, what, what should we do today, lads? That's a weekend. Go to the go to the sevens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Not bad, is it? That's excellent. Like that. Uh, yeah, enter the fantastic. Sandman, indeed. Enter the siren and enter the Sandman. It's fantastic. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that's all very, very good. Um, it's very troubling to think of him doing this at sevens. Like, I mean, the game's very short. Mm. You, well, you don't be cutting too much time off. <laughs> well, exactly. There's seven-minute halves, weren't they? So, you know, you'd, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just reporting the fact that I mm. understand them. There's been a disturbing incident of a phantom whistle blowing in the middle of West Sydney Razorbacks games. <laughs> No, yeah. Razorbacks. Pig Nation, baby. Pig Nation. Uh, the fandom has been at two ta- at the past two finals games at the State Sports Centre blowing his or her whistle when the opposition team's been on the attack, at times forcing players to pause or stop thinking it was the referee. Right. It's, it, it, this is just a spate of copycats at this point. It is. It absolutely is. It's unacceptable. West Sydney have got to do something about it. The person has to be thrown out. That's according to... Uh, uh, Sydney Kings CEO Graham McNaney, uh, who's very much putting it on the security guards. Uh, it is a spate. We then have a we, we then have a, sir, a phantom siren in the preliminary final of the Canberra Cup, uh, which with with two minutes remaining on the clock, a siren beamed around the oval, just like the infamous one at St George of the Wire home matches, failed to fool the referee, possibly because most in the grandstand joined in as one in a chorus of laughter. The Blues played out the final set of the game before the real siren kicked in. So that's all fine. But there's another one down the line on the 16th of July, 2007, which was not, which was, was much more successful than that at a country mm. ground, Gazzy. Hit me. Uh, Marilla up against Shell Harbour at... Uh, Marilla the Gorillas. Marilla Gorillas. Favorite, one of my favourite country teams. Yeah, I would have thought... Mm. Uh, at Sess Glenholm's Oval. Mm. Uh, the wind kept the Gorillas' faint semi-final hopes alive and provided oh, a fitting finale of weekend celebrations, marking the 25th anniversary of the club's 1982 Clayton Cup winning side. But the game almost ended in farce when referee Nathan Bowden called full-time five minutes early after hearing five a minutes. siren-like call from the sideline. Siren-like calls, really good chat. That's getting into <clears> real, like, you know... A sort of feline-like or cat-like creature when when people have a panther sighting, like out yes. the, oh, yeah, 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 a, a cat-like or a feline-like. Like, why do yeah. they add the word like? Oh, um, I, like, why not just say it was a cat or like a, a panther? This is again a siren-like. Mm. I mean, it's a siren sound, right? Well, that's. I mean, that's, don't qualify that's it. Well, it's a siren-like. Five minutes is fantastic. Like, really, really good areas. The home side were clinging to a twenty-four twenty-two lead when the drama oh, occurred. Dear. Moments after play resumed, Shell Harbour passed up the chance to take a penalty goal, instead turned up possession, and the uh, the Gorillas scored late to uh, to send the crowd into hysterics. But, uh, uh, That's yes. fantastic. It's, it's um, five yeah, do, minutes. Do we know if the Bowden in this was any relation to Billy Bowden at all? Not possibly. I mean, both officials, yeah. you know, both kind of uh, yeah. adjudicators. Well, that's why I asked. I sort of wanted to imagine him doing really flourishing sort of refereeing signs during the game, you know? Sending, doing the 10 in the bin with 10 yeah, but, fingers. Yeah, and just really like whipping up the hands and stuff and doing all the crazy stuff. I think that would be a fantastic thing for the game. I mean, Billy was very popular there for a while. Yeah, not with me, but with others, yeah. Yeah, with... <laughs> that's right. Um, now, you mentioned earlier two words which have become, dare I say, synonymous with St. George of the War over the years. Mm. Uh, those being oust, doused. Yeah. 
2006 is when the Phantom Siren declares himself a supporter of the doused cause. Does he? Oh, yeah. that's massive for the movement. Isn't it just? Yeah, One of yeah, their yeah. most high-profile supporters. Yeah, it's like when a big celebrity or a big sports star comes out and says, you know, when the presidential elections in the United States or something, you know, like I'm for mm. this guy. You'd think the swing would be huge once you got him on, on side. Do we know if he was – do we know about his affiliate groups? Like, do we know if he was in Save Our Saints or anything? Well, I don't know. But, but yeah, I, Save Our Saints. <laughs> <laughs> don't know the answer to that. I'd like to think yes. I'd like to think you know, you know, Save Our Saints got to the point of like approaching sponsors and stuff, wow. <laughs> like as an alternative movement in the midnight. They 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 were at the point where they had actually approached companies as potential sponsors, despite not running the St George Club, but just part of their alternative vision. Yeah, <laughs> it's like there's a full blown alternative government theory going on over at the yeah, Save well, Our Saints, like is... actually positioning themselves to lead, like everything was in place. Yeah, for a takeover that, yeah, that, that had no prospects of it, and there was no sort of legal framework where they could end up doing any of it. But, That's very yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, very Charles de Gaulle, point. isn't it? Kind of... yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, it's good to get him in. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Brother of Jody uh, Gaulle. <laughs> ah! Never forget. Never forget. Now, I <clears throat> we are approaching that we have a couple more incidents to, to cover here, and in particular we have two in a row. Mm. Incidents where the Phantom Siren was incorrectly blamed yeah. for an NRL snafu. Now, having... Mm. Having hunted him for years, they then attempted to scapegoat him. Thank mm. you. Thank you very much. You were, you were way ahead of me. Yeah. July 9th, 2007, referee Sean Hampstead. Last night, a.k.a., of course, Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean, yeah. Thank you very much. Last night insisted he hadn't mistaken the halftime hooter for the infamous Phantom Siren when he let play go on and Canberra hooker Ryan Hinchcliffe scored a try. But the man NRL officials once tried to ban as a menace claimed credit even though he wasn't at the game. <laughs> after, after but he's in the play, their head. Well, exactly. This is it. It's all the big head gun. He, he's got him rattled by this point. This is seven years on from the, the, mm. the origins of this. Uh, after completing a tackle on their own try line, as the siren sounded, St. George of the players were left stunned when Hampstead allowed another Raiders to play the ball and Hinchcliffe dived over from dummy half to reduce his side's deficit at the break to 22-10. The Dragons camp were furious at the time, but after finishing the game as 58-16 winners, they were happy to concede the incident might have been some sort of karma after Hampstead called full-time 17 seconds early in another game at Wynn Stadium seven years ago when the fandom did his impersonation. St. George of the Warrior coach Nathan Brown said, I thought the fandom had got him. I think a ghost got him. Uh, yeah. I'm All still feel for Nathan Brown from here. Well, um, I've still got them rattled. The siren told the Herald last night. This is uh, Brad Walter in the Herald reporting this. I wasn't even at the game. I was watching at my home in Homebush Bay. That's dangerous, revealing his identity with that level of specificity. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. the invisible phantom siren. But Hampstead said he simply hadn't immediately heard it. It wasn't the phantom siren. Hampstead said, "I heard it sound, but they just played the ball quick and he scored." Not convinced, Hampstead. I think you. I. I, I think you. No. That that's the first I've heard reverse siren yeah. as people going the real one is him. Um, that's I haven't heard of that mistake being made before. But it seems like Hampstead was a target. He seems to have been, you know. And I haven't heard this said publicly, but maybe it needs to be a mark on his record that he was particularly vulnerable to the Phantom Siren. As far as referees went, he just didn't have sort of the the mouse to actually distinguish between the two noises. Well, it um, like because it he seems to, to have been gone. Well, it sounds to me like he had a phantom siren hoodoo. 
Well, it does a bit. It just seems like it was in his head and it seems like he really did have a weakness and that part of his game wasn't strong. That if someone was imitating a, a siren, he couldn't necessarily distinguish that, nor could he, you know, if someone didn't blow it, could he tell it wasn't that? And, and I wonder if he had target referees, you know, because I know certain clubs, you know, have a, you don't like particular <laughs> referees. I, mean, I wonder if he had a referee where he thought, I've got your number, you know? Yeah. Um, do we know if he ever got Bill? Well, I'd love for him to get. I'd love to him to have got Bill because I have no evidence of him. Well, I've got no evidence of him ever getting Bill. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. If anyone can remember whether he got Bill, if you're still listening at this point, which seems unlikely, seems astonishing. Um, But 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 please write in if you can ever remember whether he got Bill Arrogant. Yeah, I will. uh, We'll. we'll, Yeah, I'll have a dig around, but I'm yet to. I wasn't able to uncover because I looked for this as well. I I did Mm. think, oh, geez, it'd be funny if he got Bill. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. Uh, Imagine the absolute shame it would have brought upon him. Uh, that's the first of these. The second is in 2008, and this is a cracker anyway, leaving aside the fandom issue. After putting his hand down almost a minute early yesterday, timekeeper John Hayes was quick to raise it afterwards, admitting he had erred in winding up the first half, a mistake South Sydney coach Jason Taylor described as astronomical. Mm. Experienced timekeeper Hayes was yesterday said to be extremely embarrassed after pushing the button with still 55 seconds <laughs> remaining, sounding the siren to end the first half, in a controversial moment, NRL officials described as unfortunate and regrettable. Mm. At the time, the Bunnies were down 12-6, but were deep in attack after receiving a penalty close to the St. George Lawara line. The siren was sounded before the completion of the first tackle, forcing the Rabbitohs into a speculative kick cleaned up by Dragons winger Jason Nightingale. Uh, the uh, ref- I think it was Nathan Brown, again, said about the timekeeping error, I thought the Phantom Siren was back. That's what my initial feeling was. And then when he kicked it and we caught the ball, it was obviously luck our way. So this is the second time a St. George game has been marred mm. by a by a siren issue that had nothing to do with the Phantom. And again, he's being dragged into it. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I think it's good that Jason Taylor, uh, you know, calling out other people's astronomical mistakes because it's something that he would sort of go on to have quite a bit of experience with for the rest of his coaching career. <laughs> would you like to speculate about who might have responded to this on behalf of the NRL? Oh, surely it's. Uh, can you please tell me it's not Graham Hasley? <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you, Gazzy. The NRL's <laughs> chief operating officer, Graham Hasley, said Hines, uh, Hayes, a timekeeper in grand finals and state of origins, had acknowledged he had heard. I haven't spoken to the timekeeper, but I have spoken to one of my staff who has. <laughs> so he's, ta- he's certainly uh, he's certainly taking full responsibility. He's put his hand up. He's made a mistake, and it's the first mistake that's been made since the NRL took over timekeeping three or four years ago. We took it over because of a West Tigers game and the two timekeepers didn't know the extra time rule. This is the first incident since then. But, Mm. and again, a sign of growth in the game and things changing over time. Annesley said Souths had no grounds for appeal. (laughs) (laughs) Our rules don't provide for that. The decision made by the timekeepers are final. They fall into the same category as refereeing mistakes. It's never good when they happen and they have an impact on the game. It's just unfortunate and regrettable. No grounds Mm. for appeal. Yeah, good, good, good. It was, yeah, I, I, again, 2022, lengthily we've moved on from all these issues and got ourselves in a good, strong professional position. <laughs> That's right. And with new blood running the show as well. Yeah. You know, um, all these years later. Yeah. We've now got, we've now got grammar <laughs> in 2000 to 2001, then again in 2008, and we've now got him out there giving mealy mouth excuses in 2022. Yeah, it's uh, good. Yeah. It's uh, it's a hell of a growth. Um, now, that is almost everything. There is one last incident. 
Now, we had a, as, as we discussed, we had a phantom on the weekend. That was, by my reckoning, the first incident since 2010. Mm. Breaking a 12 year drought. The last incident that, in, in, in my understanding or in my research, was actually at Mount Smart Stadium. No. Mount Smart Stadium in Auckland, formerly known as Ericsson. Yeah, still known to some, but yeah. To some, that's right. On the 6th of June, 2010, Wayne Bennett and his table-topping Dragons were in desperate need of a rest after they remained the only NRL team to have featured in all 13 rounds. Fatigue looked to have caught up with at least skipper Ben Hornby when he booted the ball into touch 48 seconds from full time after a phantom siren at Mount Smart Stadium. No. I promise you. God, there's a lot of Dragons games in it, isn't it? Every game is Dragons. I mean, I know he does go to Cogra, but I mean, like he follows them. But was he there? Like I was suggesting, he went all the way to. Well, this is the question. This this raises this is an important distinction. Was this the original fandom who's gone for a trip to Auckland to watch the Dragons go around? Which is um, feasible, yeah. Especially in the Wayne era, they're a good side. You know, they, yeah. this is this they win the premiership this season. Uh, or is it in fact that it's someone else that there's a New Zealand fandom who presumably before this was was terrorising, you know. Super rugby matches at the Cake Ton, and has yeah. then decided to diversify into rugby league. I don't know, but he's not been heard of since. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to know how much an accent would affect the siren. Like you know, like if the well, Kiwi did it, whether it would sound the same. What an interesting question! You'd have to get we, we'd we'd have to talk to I don't know maybe a speech pathologist, linguistics yeah. expert. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't have an answer. Find one interested, when, please but that is the last r- recorded instance before last Saturday. Yeah. Or well, last Sunday of the Phantom in action, other than on the 13th of November 2015 when he appeared at the cricket. He bellowed one out at the cricket. <laughs> Australia versus the West Indies. <laughs> Wasn't that a rattle of the West Indies? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. It, it's He's just a king. And, and, and to, to go back to it happening on the weekend, the thing is, he might, it might have been that long, but it took neon a second for me to identify what it was yeah. immediately, having lived through all this. It, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, what's that? That's confusing or what went on. As soon as he did it, I just went, the siren. Like, he's back. Yeah. He's back. Yeah. And and th- this this is such a big moment because it raises the prospect now that it might happen again. Well, um, I'd probably started to lose hope. Ooh. And now I can go to every game with the thought that it might happen. It, it's sort of like there, there was a, I think it was maybe two years ago that Carl Lawton did a mousetrap for the Kiwis in a game. And yeah. the very fact that he did it allowed me to go from despair to now going to all to every game, knowing that there still remains a live possibility in rugby league that there are people out there who might mousetrap. And Why this is still the version flickering. of that. Yeah, that I go every week knowing that there is a chance that the Phantom Siren will be there because the NRL will never catch him. He's too pretty. And yeah. that he may well do it again, and I may well hear it again. And, and to be honest with you, that's enough. I, that hope, I need that hope. It's what well, sustains me. I can exclusively reveal, Gazzy, and when I say exclusively, I say I can read this out of last week's Daily Telegraph, <laughs> that uh, the <laughs> he has confirmed, he has claimed responsibility for the, the incident on Sunday. He said the Dragons players weren't entertaining the crowd, so I thought I would. It's all good fun. The fans loved it. And let me tell you, fan of Simon, I'm not going to name you. You are named in this article. I'm not going to name you because I, I want to protect your privacy. But yeah, the five people who listen to this podcast, the much bigger audience, knowing. <laughs> a much bigger audience of this yeah. podcast versus the, the Daily Telegraph. Yeah. Uh, let me just say that uh, we uh, we as fans did love it. Mm. We thank you, 
and we salute you. By my reckoning, Gazzy, now I've done, I've run the numbers. I am able to, I am able to verify ten ten NRL or NRL adjacent matches, including including trials in the World Seven, mm. affected by phantom sirens. Mm-hmm. Three sirens at other sports and one whistle. Yep. Three country games affected by phantom sirens. Mm. Two incidents falsely attributed to the phantom siren, and three official NRL crackdowns. Yeah, that is well, a legacy. Well, it's a pandemic. It, it's it's if it was if like if if they were like like in serial killer terms, he'd be leading the entire pack. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this is the amount of carnage and damage he has caused here. What a is legacy! In, incredible. It's 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 yeah. I mean, everyone lives their life hoping to leave an impact on this place, but he sure. has. He's lived it. Whatever um, else will happen, they'll never take that away from him. No, absolutely. And if you're at home, I, I encourage you, whether it's right now, whether it's when you're just unexpectedly around your loved ones later, just let one out. Let out. Just do a phantom siren. Yeah. Do it at work. Do it on the street. Do it on the bus. Just let yeah. one go and let them know you're here. I've just remembered, and I had forgotten this until you just brought it up, but I once attempted to phantom siren the school bell. So at <laughs> at, 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 at my school, they had they had a bell, but they also had a, like a siren that would go off at the same time. And so I, at the end of a very dreary English class on a Friday, been once attempted to do the, <laughs> to do the siren. Ah, you know? Any um, buy-in? No, nah, none. No, it was completely... I'm not even sure the teacher noticed that I was doing it. Um, but no, no buy-in, unfortunately. But it was worth a crack. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I stand by it. So, yes, yeah, so I think it's an aspiration for everybody out there to give this a go. And if you're good at it, I mean, you have an obligation. If you find that you, like the original Phantom, have the gift, it's incumbent upon you to get out to your local NRL mm. ground and let rip. Absolutely. Seconded. Mm. Yeah, absolutely right. Gazzy, any final thoughts after this uh, wide-ranging and comprehensive investigation? No, I think any thoughts I've had have been covered in the extreme amount of time we've spent talking about the Phantom Siren, which I don't regret. But um, as I said, that this was a fantastic piece. Um, I look forward to doing more similar pieces in the future and sort of investigations and deep dives into the big issues. That's right. And if anyone else out there, if anyone has made it this far, God help you, uh, and has a view about something else that they would like us to get to the bottom of and really get into the get into the weeds of, be it 14 men on the field incidents, be it, you know, uh, salary cap bombs or whatever it might be. History of mousetraps. History of mousetraps, exactly. It's a wonderful idea. Uh, let us know. Get in touch on the Cemetery Facebook or RuggedLegCemetery at gmail.com. Get in touch. Let us know because we are always we, – we have the resources – we have the time, and most importantly, we have the inclination, i.e. nothing better to do. Uh, Gazzy, until next time, it's been a pleasure. This is Morgan Campbell and Luke Garrity signing off from the Rugby League Cemetery.